with saved thinking. Think like a Christian thinks with delivered thinking. Before Christ, we were what? Self-absorbed, self-occupied, selfish, looking out for number one. We are now to have Christian thinking, sound thinking. What does it look like? I mean, how do you how do you get it? I mean, how can I think rightly? Where do I get sound thinking? How am I going to find, you know, the right self-appraisal? Where are you going to find this? I'll tell you where, in the scripture. That's where. The epistles. Remember, these and these verses are not separated. I mean, I'm glad we spent all the time we have in verses 1 and 2 so that 3 just flows right out of it. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember that? Metamorpho, changed from the inside out. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, Sound Thinking. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Like a thorn which falls into the hand of a drunkard, so a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like an archer who wounds everyone, so is he who hires a fool, or who hires those who pass by, who just says, I don't care what kind of employee I have, I'll just hire this. Don't do that. Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Now, I don't think we can miss it. God is saying something about the fool here. Okay? Now, in my Bible, it just so happens that that's the end of the page, verse 11. I turn the page, and verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Do you see a man with high opinion of himself? Do you see a man with high self-esteem? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Whoa, he set me up. Even the typesetters set me up. Yeah, I got to the end of the page, and I digest about this fool thing. And then he says, do you see somebody that thinks highly of themselves? proud, wise in their own estimation, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Are we on an important subject? Oh, yeah. Pride. High self-esteem is very epidemic and very dangerous. It leads to a lack of fruitfulness. God is opposed to the proud, and He's the source of all fruit. He's the vine. We're the branches. We've got to abide in Him. And He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you at the proper time because God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. It leads to a spiritual dryness. I think of uh, how often Christians lose that sense of real relationship, real communion with their Lord. Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you obey me, I'll come and make my abode with you. And my Father will and His Spirit will. The triune God will dwell with you. And that's the key. That's John 14 leading into John 15, the fruitfulness. But, you know, oftentimes, because we get thinking too highly, we lose that kind of fellowship with the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 57 says this, Thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, who is the high one, who is the exalted one, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place, 
and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You want real communion with the high and exalted one? You get down low. That's where he lives. He lives in a high and holy place and also with the lowly and contrite to revive the spirit of the lowly. He's looking not for high-minded ones, but for low-minded ones. I'll tell you, it leads to a lack of fruitfulness. Pride does. It leads to spiritual dryness, and eventually it leads to depression. And one of the reasons we have such depression in the body of Christ today is because we've believed this lie that our problem is that we're thinking too lowly of ourselves. We've got to prop up our self-image, prop up our self-esteem. No, I'll tell you, we're to be filled with not ourselves, but Christ. We're to think on Him, not yourself. The command, verse 3, is to think so as to have sound thinking. Now, look at that, verse 3. I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Don't think too much about yourself, but to think so as to have sound judgment, sound thinking. He uses the same term, and he puts a prefix on it, phreneo, this thought for thinking, mindset, and then he puts sozo on front of it. That's the word for saved. Think not highly of yourself, but think with saved thinking, preserved thinking, sound, healthy thinking, Christian thinking. You know, we, if, if you're new to Christian lingo, maybe you wonder what saved means and lost. Saved means salvation, coming to deliverance in Christ, to be with Him, rightly related to God. We were all lost ahead of time, God says, but He found us and saved us. All of us like sheep have gone astray, but He has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him, the sin bearer, and we are now saved. And He says, think with saved thinking. Think like a Christian thinks, with delivered thinking. Before Christ, we were what? Self-absorbed. Self-occupied, selfish, looking out for number one. We are now to have Christian thinking, sound thinking, you know? Whole different deal. Now you say, well, what does it look like? I mean, how do you, how do you get it? I mean, how can I think rightly? Where do I get sound thinking? How am I going to find, you know, the right self-appraisal? Where are you going to find this? I'll tell you where, in the scripture. That's where. The epistles. Remember, these and these verses are not separated. I mean, I'm glad we spent all the time we have in verses 1 and 2 so that 3 just flows right out of it. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember that? Metamorpho, changed from the inside out. And we saw what that looks like. Glance over there again, Second Corinthians 3, where he describes that process of transformation. Second Corinthians 3. Verse 18, and we saw the whole context around it, but whenever a man turns to the Lord, his blindness is taken away. Verse 16, uh, before Christ, we were blind to truth. But when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Holy Spirit's work in our life is a freeing work. There's liberty. And we all with unveiled face, now here's the key description, verse 18, beholding as in a mirror, and James tells us the Word of God is like a mirror. 
Don't just look at it and then walk away. Look, think, act. Don't just hear it, do it. We all, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We all, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we saw in that passage that the glory of the Lord is the very face of Christ. As we look at Christ on the pages of Scripture, the Holy Spirit changes us into His image. We are conformed not to this world, but to the image of Christ. That's the process of Christian growth. And the more we look at Christ, the more we will think with saved thinking, with sound thinking. Don't get self-occupied. Get Christ-occupied. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Don't fix your eyes on yourself. Don't spend a lot of time in some self-help group looking inside you. You're either going to like what you see, that's called pride, or you're going to get depressed. (laughs) One or the other. Introspection. Now, don't think too much about yourself. Think about Christ. The epistles point us to Christ constantly. The gospels give illustration of it. Remember that guy that uh, Jesus came to? And nobody else even came to him. He was out in the graveyard. You couldn't even go by there. He was so violent. He was possessed with a demon. In fact, lots of them. Legion, many. We are many. And when Satan gets a hold of a life, he's a great picture of what happens. You remember he was violent. They tried to bind him with chains, and he was breaking the chains. He, everybody was afraid to even go by that way. He was gashing himself. All the self-mutilation, both real, literal, and psychological and everything else that's going on today. We know who the author of that is, this culture that is gashing itself up. Satan's getting a deeper hold on people. And that's the picture this guy was. And you remember Jesus came by, and he dealt with it. And he sent legion into the herd of swine, you remember? And everybody in town came out. And you remember what they found? They found a man that they'd known probably still had the scars. They'd seen him. They knew what was out there at the graveyard. And they found a man in his right mind, we're told. Luke 8, 35. He was clothed. He used to not even wear any clothes. He was clothed and in his right mind. Same term as Romans 12, 3. And we're told specifically he was sitting at Jesus' feet. That's where you'll find sane thinking. That's where you'll find balanced, sound judgment. It's at the feet of Jesus. And I'll tell you, the end of all things is at hand, Peter says. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. He uses the same term. The right-thinking person realizes we don't have much more time. The end of all things is coming. Be of sound thinking. Be Christian in your mindset and pray. And be Christian in your thinking and think evangelistically. People are lost without Christ. They're going to hell. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, I know I seem like a fanatic that way. He says, if I'm of sound mind, it's for you. 
And if I'm a fanatic, it's for the sake of God, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, the one died for all, therefore all died. Do you remember the passage? Verse 13, he says, listen, if we're out of our mind, it's for God's sake. If I'm a fanatic, it's because God has got a hold of me. And if I'm of sound mind, if I'm of sound judgment, he uses this term, it's for your sake. It's for your sake. Now, I'll tell you, sound thinking is uh, taught us in the epistles. It's illustrated in the Gospels. And, you know, this is, look at verse 3, it's the introduction, is it not? I mean, read it in context. We've, we've camped on it a bit, but notice, he says, uh, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound, saved thinking, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. This is his introduction into the amazing diversity in the body of Christ and the unity in the body of Christ. No two of us are alike. We're not trying to, we shouldn't be trying to compare ourselves to one another or worry what other people think of us or what I think of myself. Listen, God has allotted to each a measure of faith. He's gifted us differently. We're going to move right into that. But the first thing he warns about here is to not become self-occupied. The body of Christ is going to function so much more to his glory if we don't think too highly of ourselves. And we'll see more about that next time. We need each other. We need the diversity. God did. We are special. We are created, and we're recreated in Christ, and He has made us exactly where He wants us in the body of Christ, and we need to blossom and be. we can be useful to Him. And yes, He didn't spare His own Son. None of this is to say in any way all this uh, emphasis that the Scripture has on getting our eyes off ourselves is not to say that God hasn't saved us. It's the opposite, saying, listen, there was nothing in me. And yet he has made me his child. He's put me, he's fit me for his body. And so we'll see how that unfolds. But notice where he starts and let's not miss it. Because by and large, I'm afraid evangelicalism in the latter part of this last century and as we launch into this new millennium has missed the whole thrust of verse 3. And I want to ask you, are you thinking like a Christian? Are you thinking Verse 3, with sound thinking. Are you thinking as you ought to think? See how he says it there? Or have you been thinking too much of yourself? And I mean that both ways. I mean that both ways. Obviously, the, the blatant pride when we say of someone, he thinks quite a bit of himself. It's ugly. Even the world recognizes that as ugly. You say the sprinter, our sprinter, United States anyway, that blew through the heat in the Olympics and as he was finishing before he even hit the line, he was motioning the others to catch up. And everybody just kind of, there just went kind of a groan in the stands. And the sportscasters, who are always models of uh, humility, <laughs> Jim Gray gets up there with him and, and says, well, what was that? Man, just tell him to catch up with me, man. Whatever. He said, well... Uh, and he tried to kind of change his subject and let the guy redeem himself. Maybe he just got caught up in the moment. And he said, well, were you, were you surprised with your fish? No, man, I wasn't surprised. I planned on that. 
And it just got uglier. And they cut away to the anchor. Another model of humility, you know, those anchors. But he was, he was put off. He said, well, I guess <clears throat> such as it is, his confidence is strong. But it was just ugly. If it's ugly in the non-Christian, it's completely inappropriate. It's unacceptable in Christians. Who are we to be thinking highly of ourselves? Are you thinking like a Christian? I ask it again. It's grotesque. It's completely unbecoming. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Your need in life is not to think more highly of yourself. Much of the negative in our lives is a result of not heeding this. So there's the blatant pride, but then there's the more subtle. When I say, are you thinking too much of yourself? You can take it the other way if you like. Are you just spending too much time thinking about yourself? Are you logging too much time? I'll tell you, anyone who counsels finds that an awful lot of complaining and grumbling is a direct fruitage of a selfish, self-centered, how come it always works this way in my life? A lot of the whining that's going on today and a lot of the whining that's being legitimatized, you know, by, by saying, well, you need to just talk it out with others is a selfish, self-centered thinking too much. Now, I'm not talking about pride now. I'm just talking about too much. Too much thinking about yourself. God sent His Son to this world. We don't know how much time we've got. The end of all things is now. Be of sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Next time you're going to whine or complain about your circumstances, spend some time praying for others. Look at the field. It's white to harvest. Think of our missionaries out there seeking to win people to Christ and pray for them. Get your mind off yourself and on to the task He's given us and on to others and their needs. A lot of self-pity and bickering and a lot of worry, outright worry. When you're worried, next time you're worried, I don't care what it is about, next time you're worried, let me just stop and ask you. You don't have to answer, obviously. Are you worried for the glory of Christ? Is that what you're worried? He's not getting enough glory? Or are you worried about some aspect of your life? Not being comfortable enough? Not being secure enough? Not being healthy enough? Not being whatever? A lot of the worry and anxiety in this generation of Christianity is direct fruitage of us not having our eyes on Jesus, having our eyes on self. Are you thinking too much? of yourself. Cultivate. Cultivate self-forgetfulness. I mean it. Uh, read the Scripture and watch how often it takes our eyes off ourself and puts them on Him. You say, how do you cultivate self-forgetfulness? Well, I'll give you a negative and a positive. The negative is this. Beware. I mean it. Beware of Christian literature today that isn't really Christian in mindset. It goes under the name of Christian. Christian counseling, Christian preaching, Christian books, Christian lots of stuff, Christian music, you name it. All stuff that calls itself Christian isn't necessarily. And if it has the fruitage of causing you to spend a lot of time thinking about yourself, beware, stop. 
Just get out of it. That's why I tell people, and I don't mind if people say, have you read the latest this book, that book? Now, lots of times, it's freeing to just say, I haven't read that one. No, I didn't read that one. I read the title on that one. But I've got, I have, I don't know about you, but I've got quite a bit of reading to do. <laughs> and I'm pretty busy. You are too. And I've only got a certain amount of time, and I want to spend as much as I t- can in here because he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And I'm all for good books. i got an attic full of them. Ask my wife. It's overflowing. But be careful what you read. Be careful what you feed your mind with. Don't be conformed to this world, even if it's called Christian. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the good and perfect and well-pleasing will of God really is. Beware. Beware of what you're feeding into your mind. I'll tell you, it's a subtle thing. You know, blatant pride is one thing, but this subtle self-occupation in the name of Christian thinking is very, very subtle, and I think sometimes it's done more damage in our generation than we realize, or and maybe we, we're just so around it that we just don't smell it, because we all smell that way, you know? But you get away from it, you get in the pages of Scripture, you smell the fragrant aroma of Christ-centered thinking occupation with Christ and His cause and what we're here for and however much time we have to really live for Him. And then you come back around a seminar on how to prop up your self-image or something and it kind of smells, you know, it. you can catch it. There's something wrong with that. It just doesn't seem right if you're really filling your mind. But sadly, oftentimes we don't fill our mind enough and so we don't catch the smell, if you know what I mean. I guess I overworked that smell thing, but I think you get what I mean. That's the negative side. Beware. Positive side. Fill your mind with God's Word. Fix your eyes on Jesus, he says. We're running a race. And I'll run it with endurance. How are you going to do that? Fix your eyes on Christ. I love that little verse in Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, brethren, consider Him. Don't consider yourself. Consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself. Consider Him. Think on Him. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, the very face of Christ, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Cultivate Christian thinking positively, daily. Purpose to think rightly, to think with saved thinking. Through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound thinking, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Sound Thinking, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Every Christian's responsibility is the same. Yours is exactly the same as mine, exactly the same as the Apostle Paul's. Generally speaking, I am to what? Present my life to Christ. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So are you. If you're a Christian, you and I are to have identical devotion to Him. We're His. But specifically... It will work itself out quite differently because there are no two Christians alike. We have been gifted differently. And so specifically, there will be quite different, even I would use the term unique, because there's no two Christians identical. Even though they might have the same gift, there might be two people with the gift of service. They won't serve in identical ways. We are uniquely fit for our place, not only in this congregation, but in the body of Christ. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, One Body, Many Members. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.